All right, like Luke said, I'm Josiah, if you don't know me. I've been... Uh, I have my wife here. I don't know if she's in the room right now. Maybe putting the kids to bed. Oh, there she is. Hey, my wife. Uh, my wife's here. Can't. Uh, you'll see my my two of my three boys running around. The other one's strapped to my wife. He's a baby. Um, but yeah, it's great to be back here with you guys. Been on staff for a while. Left. But I get to be back. Yeah. Be back for, the, for this weekend. Uh, so this weekend, our theme is Behold. You'll see out here, in front of your little booklets there, Behold. And we're going to be looking a lot at the book of Isaiah, different chapters in Isaiah. Uh, so get familiar with that book. Do you guys behold the Lord? What does that mean? What does Isaiah have to do with it? So first, tonight we're going to lay the groundwork of uh, the book of Isaiah for our time together this weekend. We're going to get into what is the, how does the Old Testament work in relation to the Bible. And we're going to get into some of the history behind the book of Isaiah. And lastly, we'll look at our theme, Behold. So, how does the Old Testament fit with the New Testament? Old Testament role, New Testament fulfillment. How does the Bible work together? How many of you guys have read the book of Isaiah? Good. Uh, so, at times, it can be a hard book to understand. It's a, it's a big book. It's long. But it's a, it's a rich book full of prophecies. And many of them find their fulfillment in the New Testament. Because it's harder to understand, I feel like it, along with most of the Old Testament, can tend to get skipped over. We can tend to focus most of our time in the New Testament. But all of Scripture is, is God's Word, and it's profitable to us. The Old Testament has many purposes, but its main one is to point to the coming of Jesus, letting us know He's coming. He, here's some signs to look out for, some types. There's 66 books in the Bible. There's 39 in the Old Testament. Yep, I got it. Uh, if you were to read through the whole Bible, it would take the average person about 70 hours. So it's not that big. It's only 70 hours. It's not that, that's not that hard. And, and many people can uh, will take it in a year. I just finished a year plan reading through the Bible. You just take a little section each day. It's not that hard. Just read a little section. Um, and you can get through it in a year. There's been uh, someone on staff once read it in two days. So it is possible to go very quickly through the Bible and get a very good grasp of, of the Bible. So it's, it's not crazy to read through the Old Testament and the Bible. When, when I was younger, I would, would grew up in a Christian home. Um, I was saved at a young age, but even then I didn't read through the Bible a lot. I would be more like, today I'm reading, oh, I opened up to Isaiah. <laughs> today I'm reading Isaiah. Um, and just be like that. Just like skip around. I didn't have a real plan. I would just be uh, whatever is in front of me. You know, just read a little section. And that doesn't give you a full grasp of who God is and what the Bible is trying to convey in its message. Uh, when I was 16, I, started, I read through the Bible for the first time. And just, you just really get a good grasp. Like I would really encourage everyone to just read through the Bible 
a year, maybe you do a two-year plan, whatever it is, just take some time, go through the Bible over and over and over again. Uh, I, I had a period of my life a couple years ago where I was like, I've read through the Bible a lot. Like, do I really need to be doing this like all the time? Um, and got more complacent in my my reading of the Word. And we just we can't lose sight of how important God's Word is in our lives. The Old Testament provides us a, a fuller view of God than just the New Testament alone. Like, what did Jesus preach from when he was on the road to Emmaus and he was talking to the disciples? Preach from the Old Testament. Well, what are the disciples and, and uh, apostles and early church leaders teaching from? They're teaching from the Old Testament. Like that, that was their scripture. That was their Bible. And so it's very applicable to our lives. And you can see Jesus didn't just appear out of nowhere. It's not just like you open up to the Gospel of Matthew and oh, there is Isaiah or there's, uh, there's Jesus. Um, he didn't just appear out of nowhere with no announcement or groundwork laid. He was promised in the Old Testament as far back as Genesis 3. And you can see the Proto-Evangelium, as it is called, uh, just the, the first gospel in Isaiah chapter 3. is all throughout the Old Testament. You can see the plan God had for his people. And in the details, we can see how God loved and cared for his people. We can see what kind of God is this? And what's, what's his character? Who is he? And you don't get as full of a grasp if you're just in the New Testament. If you're just spending your time in the New Testament. If you're just flipping around like I was doing. You don't get that full grasp of who God is, how he's revealed himself to us. Both are very necessary. Both are very important. You have to have, have both of them. In, if you're just going through the Bible, there's, there's the law in the beginning. It's grouped up in different categories. Uh, there's the law. There's historical books in the Old Testament. There's wisdom books. There's prophetic books. That's, that's where Isaiah is going to fall in the prophetic books. In the New Testament, you see gospel. You see a historical book, Acts. Uh, you see lots of letters or epistles. And you get a prophetic book at the end in Revelation. As there's different groups. There's, there's very intentionally laid out in uh, your Bible that we have. And they all fit together very well. They're there very intentionally. Every book is there uh, for a purpose. And it all comes together in one message. It's all about Jesus. It's all about us learning about God, understanding him, knowing him, and, and uh, coming to serve him and love him. The full context is very important. I don't, I don't know if you've tried to uh, like send somebody text messages and somebody just like reads just half of them. Like, that's not, the, that's not the full context. You're going to get very lost in what's going on. You need the full thing. Details matter and help you understand a, purpose, a person better. For example, imagine you move to a new place. So imagine you move in somewhere new, and you were told that you find a friend there. And you'll really get along with this person. You'll be able to go to school with them. So you move. You meet this person. Maybe they take you out to ice cream. And it's, it's cool, they're, they're a little cool, but it's awkward. It's just, it's not really working out. So it just doesn't work out. They end up going to different school, maybe. Uh, mostly it doesn't work out because they're super loud. Maybe they had gauges, tattoos, like the Raiders, come from a foreign land. Uh, and you happen to be a legalistic homeschooler. 
<laughs> but as you get to know them at church and youth group, you come to see that they're, they're all bad. Well, there might be something good there. And you go to their house, understand their history, their context, hear their testimony. Uh, and you see them, them serving and their love for the Lord. And so those contexts and details, they help develop a friendship. You end up becoming best friends and serving together at, at winter camp. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so the details really matter. They help you understand a person better. If you just look at a person at, at first glance and be like, nah, I'm never going to be that guy's friend. That is what I thought of But as you get that backstory, that history, the context, then you start to really to to know that person. And that's the same with God. If you're just skipping around and you don't really know who he is as he's revealed to himself in the scripture, you're not reading the whole thing, you're just going to get bits and pieces. You're not really going to know everything they want you to know about them. So very important to, to read the whole whole Bible. I really encourage you guys to, to read the whole Bible. Even books like Isaiah, that may not seem as flashy as Ephesians. About half of you read it, so it's good. Yeah, keep, keep read it again. Um, might not be as flashy. Like Ephesians is my favorite book. It's a very easy read, very succinct in the gospel. Uh, but Isaiah is very rich, very good for us. The Old Testament lays the groundwork for the New Testament. And then in the New Testament, we can see the fulfillment of the Old Testament prophecies. Some of the stuff we're going to be reading are prophecies in Isaiah. And then they find their fulfillment in the New Testament. So through the context of the Old Testament, we can understand the New Testament better. And they're, they're in the same book for a reason. They're God's word. It's all God's word, and they go together. In the context of this weekend and beholding God, what is the role of the Bible? If we're believers, how can we say that we behold God if we neglect his word? The main way to behold God is through his word. How can we say we behold something that we don't really know much about. How can you behold the one who you don't spend time with? What does it even mean to behold? We'll get into that later. Uh, before we get into that, let's look at the historical context of Isaiah. So Isaiah was a prophet to the people of Judah. That means he was God's spokesperson to his people. And he started his ministry in the, around the 700s B.C., so around 700 years or so before Jesus was born. At this time, Israel had been split into two kingdoms, the kingdom of Israel, kingdom of Judah. And Isaiah served the better of the two, Judah. Israel had a lot of bad kings and fell uh, quickly into sin, away from God. And Judah had... Some good kings, some bad kings just went back and forth. Uh, but Judah was, was the better of the two. So that's, what, that's who Isaiah is ministering to. And during his ministry, they have the empire of Assyria. the ancient world power was on the rise. They posed a great threat to Israel, Judah as a whole. And later, uh, they would be taken into captivity by Assyria. It happens, happens towards the end. So Judah had a lot of ups and downs. And what Isaiah had to say, a lot of it wouldn't have been re- really well received. Uh, in fact, tradition says that Isaiah ended up meeting his end by being sawn in two. I don't know if that's, that's actually what happened, but that's what tradition has. 
Uh, and you see in the Bible, it's saying, say like, people were sawn in two. Uh, it's because King Josiah's grandfather didn't like what he had to say. Uh, that was the, the king of the time. But Isaiah was a faithful servant to the Lord who said the hard things even when it meant suffering. In chapter 6, we'll see the Lord calls him. Isaiah says he'll go and serve the Lord even though it's going to be hard, even though the people aren't going to listen. He's going to go and faithfully proclaim God's word. So that's the context. That's, that's the context of, of this weekend, uh, of this book, the Old Testament. So let's look at the behold meaning, keeping our eyes on the Lord. What does it mean to behold? Does anybody have any ideas? What does it mean to behold? Yes. Hold someone in high honor. Oh, nice. I like that. Mm-hmm. Hold someone in high honor. Any other thoughts? No? That's fine. Uh, so, yeah, hold someone in high honor. I like that, that, that thought. It can mean a couple different things. It can mean see or observe, maybe a thing or person, especially a remarkable or impressive one, if it's your thing. It can mean be sure to see or don't miss this. Gaze at this. Soak it in. This weekend, it will be found in all of our passages. I went went back and forth on what what do I want the theme of this weekend to be. Uh, Luke said, before I could even think of anything, he said, behold. I was like, I can't do that. He, he said it. I'm not, not going <laughs> to steal. I'm not going to take that. Uh, but as I was reading the passages I, I had set aside, I was like, yeah, it has to be behold. It's in all of them. It's just everywhere. You can't, you can't escape it. So behold. It's in, so it's in all the passages. You'll see it uh, in the context of grace, used as look at this. You'll see it in the context of might, used as, used as observe. You'll see it in, used in the context of salvation as don't miss this. And you'll see it in the context of compassion used as see. So I want to look at three different passages uh, that use this word in the different parts of the Bible so you'll get a better idea of what it means to be whole. So first one, we're going to turn to 2 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 18. You don't even have to turn there. It's in your booklets. Uh, we didn't even talk about it. I thought about it separately, and I looked at the booklet. Oh, it's already there. Yeah. Must be a good passage, you guys. Yeah. <laughs> Second Corinthians. On the last page. Second Corinthians three eighteen. If I, I was hoping you'd go here. It's a great passage. If I had to choose one New Testament passage to be like the theme, it'd be this. Uh, it's a great passage. So let's read it. 318, 2 Corinthians. And we all, with unveiled face, beholding the glory of the Lord, are being transformed into the same image, from one degree of glory to another. For this comes from the Lord, who is the Spirit. The sayings. We're beholding the face of the glory of the Lord. So if you're being beholding the Lord will be transformed into becoming more like Jesus. That's, that's what beholding does. It says, beholding the glory of the Lord does 
makes you transform into the image of Jesus. We become more like him. That's what it means to be behold. You're sitting there, you're looking at him, gazing at him, and then there's change. Change is happening in there. It's There has to be change uh, as you are beholding. We take on some of who he is. We take on some of his holiness. We take on some of his hatred for sin, grace towards those around us, and love for the lost. If you have a hard time spending time with the Lord, then you're not beholding him. As you are looking at him, as you are gazing at him, your life should start changing, start looking different, start becoming more like Jesus. I have a quote here from a guy named Bob. I don't know his last name. Bob. (laughs) Bob says, We become what we behold. So empowered by the Holy Spirit, let's behold the glory of the Lord Jesus by meditating on his word, singing his praise, and obeying his commands. The more clearly we see him, the more we become like him. So he's saying there, how do you behold? You meditate on the word. You'll be reading, thinking about it, singing his praise, obeying his commands. And I, and I really hope you guys, you guys see this. Like, As you behold, there has to be something that's happening. We're not just looking and just like looking past something. It's like, I kind of saw it, just gazed at it for a little bit. But there should be some action. There should be some change. Like You see Christ so glorious that you want to change. There should be some change in your heart, in your mind. Say goodbye to the New Testament. That's probably the last we'll see of it. <laughs> Maybe, we'll see. Most likely, yes. Goodbye. Uh, turn over to Psalm 27, verse 4. If I had to choose one Old Testament verse outside of Isaiah to convey this weekend's theme, it'd be this verse. Psalm 27, verse 4. I did cheat. Uh, for everything else I'm using, I'm using ESV. For this verse in particular, I'm using NASB. (laughs) Because it has the word behold. ESV changes it. So, I'm cheating a little bit. It's fine. Psalm 27, verse 4. One thing have I asked of the Lord, that will I seek after, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life, to behold the beauty of the Lord and to inquire in his temple. This is, this is a great verse for seeing what, what it, how important it is to behold. He's saying, one thing I want. I want to behold the Lord. There's one thing. When you, when you go before the Lord in prayer, what do you ask for? Like before, about, you're about to eat some junk food. You say, Lord, please bless this junk food to my body. Uh, do we, we can ask for a lot of different things. A lot of different things can be in our minds. We can ask for health. We can ask for salvation for my kids. I can ask for that. I can ask to fight against my sin. I can ask that that we would all love each other. All good things. Praying for things is great. Do it. Pray for things. But what is our focus? What is our priority? Do you seek to behold the Lord? That's the one thing David asks of God. The one thing he seeks. He wants to be with God forever. 
For, for what reason? Why does he want to be with God forever? What, what's, what's his purpose in wanting to be with God forever? He wants to behold the Lord, to just sit in his presence, soak in his beauty. I pray that we do that this weekend. We just sit at his feet, soak in who he is, how awesome and mighty he is. We just worship him. That, that's what we'll be doing this weekend. That's the, that's the one thing on our minds, the one thing that we're seeking to do, not just this weekend, our whole lives, that we just behold him. And just, that's all we want, just to sit at his feet. Say, man, God, you are awesome. I just want to be here. I just want to praise you and worship you. It's, it's a great, a great passage. Now say goodbye to the rest of the Old Testament. <laughs> you probably won't go rest of the Old Testament for the rest of the time, except for the book of Isaiah. Um, turn to Isaiah chapter 12. If I had a theme chapter for the book of Isaiah, I don't have any theme verses or chapters, but if I did, read those two verses, this chapter. Isaiah chapter 12. You will say in that day, I will give thanks to you, O Lord, for though you were angry with me, your anger turned away, that you might comfort me. Behold, God is my salvation. I will trust and will not be afraid. For the Lord God is my strength and my song, and he has become my salvation. With joy you will draw water from the wells of salvation, and you will say in that day, Give thanks to the Lord, call upon his name, make known his deeds among the peoples, proclaim that his name is exalted. Sing praises to the Lord, for he has done gloriously. Let this be made known in all the earth. Shout and sing for joy, O inhabitant of Zion, for great in your midst is the Holy One of Israel. First we see God's angry with us. See, see right there in the beginning. For though you were angry with me, God is just to be angry with us. We've sinned. We've fallen short of his glory. We've rejected God and continue to reject God in our lives. But Isaiah wants to draw our attention to God's salvation. So behold, look at this. This is important. God is my salvation. Even though God is angry with me, he provides a way of escape, a way for that anger and wrath to be diverted. We know that's Jesus. And Jesus is the one who took the wrath of God for us. He's the one who made a way of salvation for us. We don't need to fear. Jesus has paid our debt. If we are forgiven and we are, are with him, if we believe in him, he has completely erased that debt. I mean, there's no need for us to fear at all, to fear his wrath, to fear his anger. And Isaiah ends the chapter here by giving us a response. In light of this salvation, in light of all this, we should give him thanks. We should Tell others how awesome he is. Sing for joy. Isaiah's calling us to behold. There's something important here. Gaze at God and his salvation. And as you behold him, worship him. That should be our response. 
as we're beholding God, we're remembering as Christians, man, God is just to be angry at me. I sin. I keep sinning every day. God's just to be angry at me. But God is my salvation. That's where I need to be looking. Looking at God, thinking, man, he's awesome. He saved me from that. I'll trust. I won't be afraid. It's my strength, my song. And we just need to give thanks out of all of that. Give thanks to the Lord. Call upon him. Tell other people about him. Man, turn to your neighbor and say, look, he's awesome. Like, look what he's done. Look what he's done to my life. Proclaim him and sing his praises. That, that was awesome. That was an awesome set up here. Oh, okay. Uh, it was an awesome set. Uh, I'm really looking forward to singing with you guys this weekend. That's, that's a big part of beholding. That's part of your reaction as you behold God. Just sing these songs and really mean it. Just worship him. Praise him. That should be our reaction. God, God is great. He's awesome. He's worthy of it. So dwell, dwell on these three passages this weekend. Like if you're looking for something to do in your you and God time, maybe. Like I don't, I don't know what to do. Maybe, maybe turn to these three passages. There's, there's a lot, lot in here to make you want to worship God. To remember, why are we here this weekend? If you just want a quick verse to turn to. Uh, and these, or chapter. These three are really good. So an application. Um, behold is a simple word that just sounds fancy. I like it. it sounds nice and awesome, fancy. Uh, but it just means like, look, look at this. Soak it in. Look at it. Uh, what I'm calling us to this weekend is to look at the Lord, spend some time observing Him, gaze into His eyes. Don't miss what He's doing. See what He tells you about Himself. Behold him. About eight years ago, I beheld one of the most beautiful sights. I've been to a lot of different places. So I feel like I have some authority on the subject. I have, uh, I was a missionary kid. I have the claim of being to all 50 of the United States, uh, as well as different countries. So I've beheld things like the Grand Canyon, the Niagara Falls, the pristine Caribbean beaches, Sorry, California, your beaches suck. <laughs> the pristine Caribbean beaches. Uh, the towering mountains of Yosemite. But when I was standing outside at the Lafayette Community Center, Gretchen came down the aisle in her wedding dress. Man, you better, I was beholding her. <laughs> I was gazing at her. She's coming down her wedding dress, gazing at her intently, looking at her, soaking in every detail, drinking in her beauty. My eyes were fixed on her, and nothing else, nothing else mattered, nothing else that was going on that day. All I wanted to do was look at her, which was hard to do, because somehow I was like, some liquid got my eye. <laughs> oh no, I made it hard to see. Um, that, that's what it's like, guys. You're just beholding God. You're just looking at him, and that, that's your focus. That's all you want to do. Just, just look at him, soak him in. I, I pray that you guys... Are doing that this weekend and in your lives. He is what matters. Do you do that? As, as you're reading your Bible, are you beholding the Lord? Are you seeking to behold the Lord? Do you stop and observe him? Do you look intently at him? 
or you just rush through to check off today's Bible reading. Got it. Did today. Do I remember what I read? No. But I did it. I read my Bible. That's not beholding God. How do we behold God in reading the Bible? It's one of the main ways we do it. We need to give ourselves time. It can't be rushed. We can't just read some words on a page and forget it. We need to chew on the words, think about them, and understand them. Maybe this means we ask questions. You have a study Bible that can help. Maybe you ask somebody around you, a parent, staff member, somebody to help you understand what you're reading. You need to dig deeper into it. When we are reading, we should be worshiping. Some passages are, are easy to do that on. The three we read tonight, they're easy passages to do that on. It's like, it just causes you to want to worship. So some passages are easy, and you just be, as you're reading, you say, thank God for your salvation. Thanking you, thank you for making a way for us to be with you forever. It can be easy. What about passages like Leviticus? Numbers. How do you how would you read something that's talking about grain offerings, dimensions of a temple, going through a list of names and worship God in that? It, it, can, it can be hard. But what you can do, you can worship God in those things. You can say, Thank you, God. You are holy. As I'm seeing how you're treating your temple, as I'm seeing how you're treating the sacrifices, you're holy. You're set apart. You're pure. And you gave a way for people to come to you. You provided these sacrifices so that people could come to you and have communion with you. Thank you that you are precise in all these numbers and lists. You're a precise God. There's not just things that are just like off on on the side. You're a very precise God. Everything has a purpose. Thank you that you sent Jesus to fulfill these temple sacrifices. I don't have to partake in the grain offerings and the bird sacrifices and the ram sacrifices. Thank you that you sent him to be the true temple, the priest, and the sacrifice for my sin. And so you can be worshiping God in, the, in those things. You're just like, it's a grain offering. It doesn't matter. It does. It shows you how God is holy and very precise in all these things. Sin isn't just something that brushed off to the side. As we've treated very seriously. When you are in the car, how do you behold God? If you're friends, maybe, how do you behold God? You're in your classroom, you're in your bed at night. How do you, how do you behold the Lord? Are you beholding the Lord in those things? What consumes your thoughts? What takes up your time? We need to take our thoughts captive. Redeem our time. Or thoughts, all these places we can be thinking different things. You could be beholding God in those things, or we could just be just thinking random thoughts. We've got to take our thoughts captive. I waste a lot of time. You could be on my phone, or just be thinking of just some, some random thing that just pops up in my mind. I'm just thinking, like, just thinking, just or doing stuff, and just think, like, okay, rock. Okay, why am I thinking about a rock? It was like a chair. I was thinking... <laughs> Like, oh man, that, that was like Mario's cool. Uh, and that, like, we gotta take those things captive. We can't just have random things popping out of our mind, but man, that rock is actually pretty cool. But, like, you, can't, you can't think those things. You can't just be like drifting and bouncing around. You gotta take that thought captive. Like, who cares about the rock? Even though it's shiny and cool and it's, just, it's very good rock. But you, you don't do that, right? Like, you 
That's what happens to our minds all the time. It happens to me. You have to take that thought captive and say, I'm not thinking about the rock right now. I'm trying to think about God. I'm trying to behold him. We can't just live life just thinking about whatever random thing pops up in your mind all the time. I know that can happen a lot when you're listening to a sermon. Just random things pop up in your mind. Maybe you're, you're singing and just think random things pop up in your mind. Take those thoughts captive. Say, no, no, I'm not going to think about that right now. I'm going to think about God. I'm going to behold God. That, that's through all, throughout all of life. It's not just here or Sundays or Wednesdays. It, it's whenever we are, wherever we are, we need to be taking our thoughts captive and redeeming that time, not be wasted time, and just using it for God, using it to behold him. We need to evaluate each thought, which takes work. Like, see, is this worth thinking about right now? Is this worth taking up my time? Our brains have limited capacity. Mine, sometimes more than others, they have limited capacity. And so you have to take those thoughts captive. We have, we have limited time. We're not just can't just think about everything all the time, every every day. We have very limited time, limited capacity, and we need to use what we have for God's glory. It's hard to do. I'm I'm calling us to slow down, to pause for a second this weekend, reevaluate our lives. Those you and God times that you have, use them. Use them well. Don't take them up by trying to find a spot and then try to figure out, okay, what am I going to do now? What am I going to read a passage here? Am I going to read a passage there? And just by before you know it, oh, you and God, time's up. All I did was think about rocks and what I was going to be doing. <laughs> and your mind just drifted off, off until the time was all up. Don't do that. Use the you and God times to study God, to look at him, so you can better worship him. Make a plan of what passage you're going to be reading. Don't just do what I used to do and just like, well, we're reading 2 Chronicles 13 today. Oh, I'm starting a new reign after the king of Jeroboam. Good. <laughs> uh, no, don't do that. Like, have a plan of what you're going to be doing this weekend in those you and God times. Try to get the most out of your time that you can. And leave time to pray and worship, worship him. Just be praying to God, asking him to help you reveal your sin to you, to reveal where you need to grow. When you truly behold God, nothing else matters. All you want to do is worship him. He is worthy of our praise. He must be praised. I pray that this weekend we will be filled with praise to God. He is holy. He is awesome. He's our savior and he is compassionate. Use this weekend to behold our God and reevaluate where you're at with him. Let's pray. God, help us to behold your majesty. You are worthy of our praise. You are worthy of us living our lives for you. Forgive us, Lord, for being so distracted in our minds and our hearts, for straying, for seeking after sin and seeking to live for ourselves. Lord, help us to live for you in all that we do. And I pray this weekend, Lord, 
we would truly behold you. We would see you high and lifted up, glorious on your throne, and our hearts would be filled with worship to you. Let's pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen.